Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Welcome to NVC, IGN's Nintendo podcast for the week of May 7th. I'm your host, Casey DeFreitas, and this week I am joined by Tom Marks. Hello. Brian Altano. Hi. And Per Snyder. Greetings, everyone. <laughs> we're going to talk about uh, EA finally agreeing to release more games for the Switch and which <gasps> games those might be. Uh, and a really awesome fan-made Animal Crossing Direct that describes the quality of life improvements we all want and... 
a couple of other things, like the really big news that we missed last week, because, you know, that's just our curse. But we'll get to that soon. Let's start out with that EA is releasing more games through the Switch. Um, basically, EA said in its fiscal Q4 2020 financial resorts, uh, resorts, gosh, Maybe I'm just, want to go on vacation. I'm just dreaming of vacation, guys. <laughs> this is what I want. No, but the results um, that it plans to release 14 games to the Switch between now and March 2021. Huh, that's a lot more than zero. Right, yeah, a whole <laughs> lot more. And that does include games like Burnout Paradise, uh, which is coming out soon. But uh, mm-hmm. could, let's let's talk about that price tag, guys. Not great. Uh, Brian, 50, tell us more. Yeah, fifty dollars um, seems. Uh, I I don't I don't I'll put it this way I don't think there was a single person that saw that and they were like oh great what a great deal like what a yeah. great value I mean, um, it's, so, it's so unfortunate because like I love Burnout Paradise I think that's a great game and honestly it's it it holds up pretty okay nowadays like not amazingly but like pretty well but like I don't think I'd recommend that game for fifty dollars right now. Especially yeah. when you can buy it on other consoles for under fifteen dollars. For, for under for under five, it was I think it was like three dollars on Steam last week. It was eight dollars on eight dollars on PS4. It launched uh, on day and date on its original launch day uh, as a remastered game uh, for ten dollars cheaper than what they're selling it for uh, half a decade later now or whatever. And it's it's. Like we we've talked about the switch tax before, uh, which is you know usually uh, can be accounted for the fact that it, it costs a little bit more money to make those tiny little cards than it does to make a disc. Uh, and I think some people are willing to pay that because they're collectors, and I, I completely understand that. Uh, and it stings a little. And you know, there's definitely games that I've paid more for on Switch that I probably shouldn't have, but I did because there's the convenience of it. But this is just astronomically high. It's also the Nintendo Switch is not really a portable system for most of us right now. So it's yeah. not, I'm not, not even, even paying for the ability. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah, it, it, I would love for it to be again. I think we all would. But um, like the idea of being like, I'm going to pay this money so I can play this on a train or an airplane kind of goes away when it's like, well, I'm going to play this on the couch. Might as well buy it on PS4 or Steam. Yeah. It's disappointing pricing for sure. Um, you know, I'm of two minds. On the one hand, a good game that was good 10 years ago is still a good game now, right? And so how do you put a price tag on that? But on the other hand, like, I played it. I'm a returning player. And so this kind of puts it out of my price range that I would pay to play it again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And, like, I I, I don't know. I, th- I think EA, unfortunately, does this. And, yeah. you know, they did this with, uh, you know, on the Game Boy Age, too, with higher prices than than the competition. It's a bummer. I wish they'd stop. I yeah. I wonder yeah. if they're going to put this out and the sales are going to be low because of the price tag. And then they're going to say, well, I guess Switch fans just aren't interested in our games. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say like this, this gets, the, I guess this is slightly offset by the fact that we are, you know, piggybacking this off of the news story, them saying they will support the system more. Because I really like, I, I hate when they do stuff like, or when any company does stuff like, oh, we're going to, this is going to be our test. And yeah. like, if you fall for it, then we'll send more tricks your way but like it well, doesn't it doesn't really feel fair to test FIFA. the waters with a 50 dollars game fifa was the test right where yeah. they released um, a lesser version uh mm-hmm. for the switch uh, i i don't know i mean like the commitment i i'm really happy with the commitment that's a lot of titles we'll see mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see how they are priced 
and whether there is any attempt to do some original development around the Switch. You know, there's certainly, you know, I know we looked at we looked at our now playing list and we're all playing these clever indie games that um, are a good value and original software that you couldn't play before. And so it'll be interesting to see how they compete with that. It'll or be, if it's greatest hits. It'll be interesting, too, with specifically with Paradise, because the Switch hasn't gotten a ton of racing game options. And I don't know how something like Paradise is going to handle without an analog trigger, to be honest. Right. Like, I'm, I'm a little concerned about that, whereas like that's not an issue to me in Mario Kart at all. Like In something like Paradise, it might be? I don't know yet. Isn't it just go fast or don't go? Yeah, <laughs> I'd say if it was... That, that game is, yeah, that game is more. You couldn't do yeah. like Forza with it. Yeah, you could do, of course, if you wanted analog acceleration, you could put it on the stick. But but would you want to use that? No. That's, that's how we played like F1 games on old nin- Nintendo consoles. Yeah. I still remember the Trials game. I, I can't remember the, the Trials Rising. The the most recent Trials one on Switch had the the joystick for the the like little touches and it was like just didn't work very well. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean there there's been a couple attempts at sort of bringing home like Forza like experiences on Switch. Um there's a couple games that sort of um walk the line between arcadey and and simi you know stuff like the asphalt games uh but it it it's definitely an oversight on their part um to scale to scale racing games or realistic racing games to the system without analog controls or analog uh, um shoulder buttons and i think that like obviously that's gonna that's gonna hold back the inevitable super mario sunshine port as well so it's not just racing games like uh, there's other games that, that that rely on that it's doable though, but like I, the one question I'd ask about EA is like, what changed their mind? I mean, it's got to be just the trajectory of the sales, and so they probably left behind the original thinking of saying, "Let's test the waters with FIFA and see how it does," and and recognize that well, maybe that's not the type of game that people buy a Switch for, and you know they got over that hump, and now they're they're going to test it by opening the floodgates. You know what I think it was honestly? I think it was. Um... Potentially, uh, they did some pretty significant price drops to the Unraveled game, oh. and I kind of regularly saw that in the in the top ten. Are you drinking wine? No, it's water. Yeah, I bet <laughs> it's yellow. Yeah, is th- that's not yellow, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's green. I mean, like there are some wines that have a green tint. What, like? <laughs> Hiding it in the look for yeah. like, like German German wines. Yeah. Grüner Veltliner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have a feeling that they probably saw some great money back on that and realized that it's pretty it's a it's a pretty awesome place to drop your games. And like this there's, there's a there's so many games that they they could be putting on there already. The, like there's a lot of stuff that I think that connects well with the sort of like younger audiences there. Like if you look at like the Plants for Zombie games and stuff. Um but yeah, I'm I'm excited that they're doing stuff. I hope the fifty dollar price point isn't something that they keep doing forever. Yeah, and we do have at least five EA games already confirmed for the Switch, including like your you know your annual sports games like FIFA, Madden, and NHL, as well as previously announced games like Command and Cocker Remastered. But uh, with those five games confirmed, what are the other nine EA games that you want to come to Switch or at least expect to come to Switch? I think Brian already touched on one that I was predicting. Unravel, right? <laughs> no, well, well, yeah. Pear's but got a list. Pear does have a list. Wow, that was amazing. 
but I was going to say similarly, Plants vs. Zombies. I think that series is a, a dead easy fit for the Switch and would work great for Switch. Even if they like supported touch controls, that would be really, really great to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean... We brought up Garden Warfare, the PVZ spinoff, so many times, which is like very much the Splatoon audience. But I would hope that they would up that they would update it, maybe add Nintendo characters to it, maybe they do a Splatoon crossover, so something clever. So it's not just hey, buy our old game again now on on the go. But I think the original PVZ, the 2D games, are probably the best choices for the platform. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And I was going to say the PopCap games. I don't know what EA did with PopCap. PopCap used to be, they were just on this trajectory. They made, um, if you guys remember, Bookworm, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, then they made Zuma, Bejeweled, Peggle, PVZ. Mm-hmm. They they kept on creating new kind of casual games that would hook core gamers to. And they've all but disappeared. And I think you can bring them all back as smaller, smaller I experiences. I forgot about PopCap. Yeah, yeah PopCap was amazing. Yeah, Peggle, Peggle, too. Yeah. Peggle holds up. Peggle, oh yeah, great game still. All of that them. is that is the quintessential Nintendo Switch impulse buy too. Yeah, like you yeah, just yeah, yeah. Peggle pop up and you you remember the like the incredible slowdown moment just as the you know the ball went up and then they, they, it, yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. That's like such an awesome video game moment. Um, some of the games I had on my list were uh, Dead Space one and two. Um, some of my favorite, I would say, sort of like sci-fi horror Metroidvanias ever. Were there's no sight right now of like the prime games coming or the collection of prime games uh there's really not enough metroid on switch in general and so um i really like dead space another one i threw on there was uh the saboteur which i don't know if any of you remember uh it was sort of like a ps3 uh generation open world game uh where it was basically entirely black and white and you restored color to the world by taking it away from uh, taking taking areas away from dictators and stuff like that it's super fun and like really slept on and it would be like an awesome sort of like arcade game to play on switch yeah i would love to see too if they can go into their catalog of star wars games and see if anybody can pull off the port obviously fallen order is getting dlc updates right now if you can get the witcher to run yeah i, I know fallen order didn't run smoothly on the current gen machines either yeah. but like somebody can pull that off right and then uh, I think The Sims is an obvious one. Animal Crossing is selling to, you know, is bringing a lot of female gamers to the system. And The Sims is the other notable female gamer, kind of core gamer game. Um, that could do really well. Yeah. yeah they, there still isn't a Sims on the Switch, huh? Isn't that crazy? No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, that would, that would, I feel like that has to be on the top of the list, right? Yep. It has to be a and don't make a janky one. Uh, and then I'm going to go super deep into the well of EA Classics. But I actually think EA hasn't done itself a lot of favors by completely forgetting its roots and some of the, the games that made them, like Archon, Archon 2, Mail Order Monsters, Racing Destruction Set, Pinball Construction Set, Populous. These are all these really cool early PC games that I feel like, you know, if they came back with some collections, I, I think it'd be really cool on the go now. Archon is so good. I, I feel like you're not not wrong about any of that, but at the same time, I feel like if their strategy right now is not going to be test the waters, it's instead going to be let's shotgun a bunch of stuff out, they're going to take the safest bets they can to start, at least in this first year. I think they're going to choose the things that take the least amount of work to actually get running on a Switch. But that's, that's, that's true. Like- you, you can emulate, emulate Archon 2 in four minutes. 
that's fair that's fair actually yeah so maybe it will go that way i'm interested to see if we get something like apex because i know the fortnite had such a huge following on switch that i'm wondering if apex could even run on switch i'm it was yeah, rumored for a while yeah same but um, this is the thing is i've brought this up before i don't know if we've seen a source engine game running on switch yet because valve hasn't brought their games to switch and titanfall uh jedi fallen order i think is on source as well or is that on frostbite i can't remember anymore um but apex like there's a lot of source engine games that ea has now through respawn that could or could not show up and i'm really interested to see if that happens i was gonna um man i don't know i don't know what else does ea technically (laughs) own fallen fallen order is on real four Fallen uh, Order's Unreal, okay. Yeah, and obviously Mass Effect games. Yeah, that's yeah. The, like they. Because yeah. I'm like, because I was thinking Bioware, but EA technically owns Bioware, so. Yeah, um, Skate is the other one uh, that is an awesome franchise that they just forgot existed, uh, gave up on. Yeah. There's also like I don't know how these would even work, but like I remember having a ton of fun with like, and I'm I'm not even like a big boxing guy, but the Fight Night games were super fun in terms of like kind of like realistic punch out. That's yeah. right. Forgot so about that. there are a lot of different games that EA could be bringing to Switch. Those are some of the ones that we think might come. But let's move on to another game that all of you are very familiar with because our new name is Animal Crossing Voice Chat. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there's a fan-made Animal Crossing Direct that describes the quality of life improvements all of us want. And this was made by YouTuber Nick Ha and, it, and it's his debut YouTube video. And it was made incredibly well. It looks like a legit Nintendo Direct, but it's very obviously not. Like He made it very pairing. He wasn't trying to trick anyone. It's just like here are all of the quality of life improvements coming in at this fake update. Um, and I know all of you really love Animal Crossing, but what do you think about the points that he made? Oh my god. So just to describe wow. the video, if you haven't watched the video, he does basically... When you go shopping and you want to buy something or when you go and craft something, it, it doesn't just require you to hit the button. It says how many. So you have this little slider and you can go three, four, five, six medicine or fish bait or whatever you need. Um, and he just applies that as a very simple UI element to everything you do in that game, basically. And like when you're watching it, you're like, God, yes, please. Yeah. Or instant instantly dropping something from your inventory on the floor rather than having to select and select drop or instantly using something in your house's storage for crafting rather than having to run in and get the freaking wood for the millionth time. So Guys, I know there's a sort there's a, a sort button. You can oh, yeah. sort your pockets. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine, Imagine being able that. to press a button and sorting your inventory. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of a game that had that feature before. Like what? How revolutionary would that be for Animal Crossing? I'm being very sarcastic. I hope everyone knows that. <laughs> but, but, uh, but we had yeah. we had multi-select before in previous Animal Crossings where you highlight multiple items and it's just not in here. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's bizarre. Um, one of the things I really want personally is I've uh, I've completed the fossil side of the museum. Ooh! Wow! Um, and you can still bring fossils. Fossils don't just disappear from the game. They still keep popping up everywhere. And I was like, well, I don't even know what to do. I guess I'll put a bunch of, like, woolly mammoths outside of my house. And so you bring the fossils to Blathers, 
and he still goes through the entire spiel where he's like, I don't really know if we need these, like, uh, but I can tell you what it is. And you're like, why don't you just give me like a, a fossil detection tool or something or like, let me learn a skill so I don't have to keep bothering you. Because every single time he just goes, I'd love to buy these with my own money, but that would be insane. And like, you know, I'd get in a fight with my wife when I got home because there's like a T-Rex head in the bedroom. And so he just goes through his whole spiel. I ad-libbed all that. That wasn't real. But um, yeah, it was, it's, I, I want, I want that gone. Cause it's just all this extraneous levels of dialogue for so many tedious little things. Oh. Same thing with um, when, when uh, Gulliver shows up. Oh God. God. Uh, same story, right? So Nick, what Nick did in the video, he shows you basically holding down a fast forward button. So mm-hmm. lathers go super fast through that stuff. But honestly, like past Nintendo games, when you're in a long discussion, you could just hit plus and it shortcuts it, you know, yeah. to the outcome. It's like, it is really weird that they weren't able to do that for launch, but I got to figure they'll fix that. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Like, th- this video physically hurt me to watch. <laughs> like, it is so well made. Like, the graphics that, that he made for it look so realistic. Uh-huh. I, Even the VO was fantastic. Yeah, VO's great. Like, every part of it is so highly produced that, like, I watched it and I was just sad at the end of it. I was just like, why, this why isn't, isn't this already in there? Yeah, and I'm just sad. Um, wow. And, and I think one of the things that did that, too, for me is that he the video is really great because he doesn't pick things that are, like, out of character for Nintendo or unrealistic, right? Like, he picks things that are generally i could see nintendo like actually implementing like there's a ton of quality of life changes that you could put in animal crossing or you could suggest for animal crossing or want that like nintendo's never gonna do or like don't make sense and like that they kind of avoided that in this video where it's just like this is all things that you could very easily just like or not very easily but you know what i mean like could slot into the game the development time right. them is probably very complex i'm not trying to belittle that but like you could slot into the game without feeling out of place in any way without feeling like they're taking something away from the vision of whatever N- nintendo wants with it and like man i just like, I, I tweeted this but i hope they just take it as a to-do list like i hope someone at nintendo sees this and it's just like man this guy's got a point <laughs> yeah <laughs> these, I, these are all points that i noticed when first playing and i was like man this sucks yep uh. Sorry, yeah. what were you going to say, Perry? No, no, I, I, I think it's going to be pretty visible. I think uh, this game, Animal Crossing, is so highly played. I mean, just the, the if you look at on Google Trends, the amount of searches around Animal Crossing, it's like six times Tiger King. Like it's, it's like <laughs> the, the amount of interest in that game. It's so high. It's like the perfect game for people being stuck at home, um, which means little things like this can blow up. And I think this video is going to be really visible. Yeah, I hope so. We'll see if Nintendo actually does something and gives us an actual Animal Crossing Direct highlighting all of the UI and quality of life changes. Yep, yep, yep. So, on to some small news, including the very big news from last week that now makes it small news because it's a week old. But there's a new (laughs) (laughs) the news that Nintendo's June Direct would be postponed, dropped after we recorded last week's episode. And that's really big news, but all of you guys already know about it, so we will keep this short. But basically, Venture B and Eurogamer both reported that Nintendo's annual June Direct, which usually premieres during the week of E3, has been pushed back as Nintendo employees adjust to work-from-home orders. 
Um, Nintendo has also reportedly told partners that it needs more time to develop its first-party games and that devs are off the hook and can reveal their games separately from the Direct if they'd like to. I'm bummed. I'm super bummed. I was really looking forward to an early June Direct, and now we might have to wait until... Who knows? Who knows? Well... We wanted we wanted Nintendo as part of Summer of Gaming, which is our two week event, uh, mm-hmm. you know, starting in early June, and so we've been we've been hoping that they wouldn't delay it. Um, and then, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it sounds like it's not a marketing decision. It's simply, you know, getting the content ready in time is just not is just not feasible. So it is a bummer. I'm sad. It would have been nice to have their announcements alongside of the other stuff that's going to get announced from other publishers, but. Um, it means, you know, maybe some of the third-party stuff will come out in early June still, uh, and it just won't be part of a direct. But uh, I want to know if the, all the Mario rumors are true or not, you know? Yeah, me too. Um, that was that was the big one. Uh, and I've said this before, but I'm really bummed that the the universe is kind of, you know, obviously much bigger problems out there, but the, the universe has robbed us all of having a, like a Mario-themed E3 booth for Nintendo. I think that would have been like a a really awesome big celebration but i i I think i'm confident that they're going to find ways to celebrate uh that you know super mario's birthday or whatever it is across across a a robot to anyone else yeah Brian definitely turned into a robot i I turned into a robot yeah (laughs) just your connection really yeah yeah great you're right now it's the, I, you know, uh, like if the entire world uses the internet at the same time, mm-hmm. stuff can happen. How about now? Is it better? Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah. That's no cool. Robot. Did you just fun. hit it on the side? No. <laughs> just wait. Just love to work from home. Just a real, a real treat every day. Um, <laughs> you know, so, yeah. We're, I can be heard. Like, yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Just have to check. Pear, I, I want, I'm ignorant about this, and I want to know if you can clarify it for me. It seems to me, and maybe this is an incorrect impression, that Japanese developers have been slowed down a little bit more by the work-from-home transition than Western developers. Is that like, is that an incorrect impression? Is that a cultural thing? Like, do you have any kind of insight on that? Yes. Um. So... Let's see. What can I say? Yeah. So uh, I did. There, <laughs> I did read an article from the Washington Post about this, but mm-hmm. I would like to hear a firsthand. Okay. So my my impression in talking to many developers, and especially around this summer of gaming thing that we're doing, is that some developers, everybody struggles with the work from home situation, but especially developers who need to keep a tight lid on hardware and want to ensure that their software data is transferred securely are struggling a bit. So, you know, imagine a company working on an Xbox Series X game or a PlayStation 5 game, and suddenly the entire company, their dev has to work from home, which means all of the hardware that is literally bolted to a desk has to move to people's homes in order for them to continue. You know, some artists don't need that, but like obviously programmers. And and now apply that to what you know about Nintendo. You know, a company that will bolt even 3DS hardware to your desk four years after it's been out. And I can imagine that they're really struggling with some of those moves. Yeah, I think there's also um, 
there's there's basically like a a work and and home culture there that's slightly different than ours. Um, there's obviously apartment sizes. There's and something everyone's dealing with right now is sort of like internet connections, Wi-Fi issues. Mm-hmm. On Friday, I am going to uh, overnight a uh, like two terabyte hard drive full of game capture footage to an IGN video editor who's going to work on a project with me who has bad internet. And it's just like, that's just something I have to do. But I, I couldn't imagine if that game footage was like unreleased stuff that no one's ever seen. Oh, yeah. And it gets lost in the mail, right? Oof. Yeah. So I, Nintendo is, in, in case nobody picked that up, but Nintendo is very focused on security. Data security. They don't love transferring anything digitally um, unless they they really figured out that things are secure. Um, this This is definitely going to slow them down. And I, I sympathize with all of that. I mean, that's not yeah. like any sort of judgment. This is, you know, everyone is adapting to this in different ways. Yeah, yep. it's just sad. Well, sad. And uh, so we're not getting the Nintendo Direct in the beginning of June. And uh, Evo 2020, the really big fighting game uh, tournament slash, I don't, I don't know if I want to call it a convention, but a very large gathering of fighting game fans um, originally set to take place between July 21st and August 2nd has been canceled due to coronavirus. Um, I think we're going to have at least one of these every two weeks where there's another thing that's canceled. Yeah. Evo is doing digital. You know, a lot of yes. uh, a lot of esports competitions, uh, you know, play still happens digitally, but it's not the same, right, if you've ever yeah. been to one of these events. Uh, weird question, but how uh, how can you sort of safeguard against cheating in a situation like that? Mm. Like I don't I, know. I feel like when you're in um when you're in a sort of like set up secured environment, you can check to make sure there's no uh, hardware or software modifications, especially on on joysticks and stuff like that, fighting sticks. Um, yeah, it's not it's not ideal because also you have to rely on home connections, and that introduces all these different issues. Mm-hmm. But then again, you know, like pro players, at least in the the pro player circuit, people are serious. That's their job, and they probably mm-hmm. have the biggest, fattest pipes at at home as well. I don't know. Like it's it's and definitely Im- not the same. And imagine right. trying to cheat and being caught. Like you would be destroyed. That community would never look at you the same ever again. Right. Right. Because right. um, I know stuff like uh, melee, which obviously is has endured what feels like decades now of just competitive play, uh, is pretty specifically local and almost entirely done on. CRT TVs that people have thrown out and oh, yeah. <laughs> hardwired GameCube controllers and stuff like that. And so that's a, that's, there's a very specific physical set of criteria to enable that competitive play that I think doesn't, doesn't really exist here anymore. L- luckily Nintendo's net, uh, net code is really strong. Across the <laughs> That'll be fine. Do you remember, do you remember warp pipe? Yeah. I'll- yeah. It was, I also remember trying to go to people's Animal Crossing towns yesterday. <laughs> it's almost like the, the, the title of our podcast is an in-joke. Should, should we share how we go to each other's towns at IGN? We, you know, a lot of people use uh, apps, external apps that create queues. We use Slack and we telephone each other. We're like, you give the Dodo code to one person, and when they're done, they give the Dodo code to the next person, but never two people, because if two people arrive at the same time in your town, all bets may be off, and <laughs> the cycle is interrupted. No, the net code is so bad. It needs to be fixed. The game is fantastic. Yeah. Online? Nope. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how Evo 2020 goes online, um, but this is 
This next bit of news is more of just a PSA. If you guys like Mario, Uniqlo's Super Mario 35th Anniversary Clothing Collection is now available. It's really just a couple of cool um, Super Mario shirts. I really like Uniqlo's quality of shirts. Yeah. They feel really nice. I actually really like the way they fit. I get a size small and they're just unisex shirts, but I just like tie them and wear them as crop tops. I think they're cute. Me too. Um, yeah, top top for everyone. Just tie them up like around your belly button, wear high waisted pants, and that's your look yep. for the day. <laughs> but um, that is available right now on Uniqlo. It's like U N I Q L O. I ordered I ordered one of them the other day. Actually, it was uh, mm-hmm. I think it was like fifteen bucks with free shipping for one shirt, and that's totally a good deal. Yeah, um, it's really yeah. not bad. Yeah, I, I actually, cool. in terms of like brand partnerships this year, I like this stuff way more than the stuff they did with Levi's, which is a little. I, a little loud i actually had a, a girlfriend of mine um text me and another girlfriend and talk about how much she liked a lot of the stuff like they have these like overall mario shorts like mm-hmm. short short shorter rolls i don't know what to call them <laughs> but they actually really like them so some people some people like them but like i guess like loud high loud high-waisted shorts and short alls yeah, that can't I, be I the think name it, of that. That cannot be the name of that. Shorteralls. Shorteralls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely people that can pull off that kind of stuff. I'm not one of them, so I, I, I got, I got the um, it's like a black t-shirt with like a uh, eight bit Mario on it that says 35, and I'm into that. Is oh. that your age? Yes. <laughs> 35 forever. And um, the last bit of small news for this week is that the wonderful 101 physical release is going to be delayed. It's now launching on June 30th in North America and July 3rd in Europe due to COVID-19. But the digital launch launch is still set for the original release date, which is May 19th in North America, at least, and May 22nd in Europe. Cool, cool. So, yeah, Honestly, that- this is just surprising to me at all. Like, it's just like not the delay that, that it's not delayed. In digital oh, like, yeah th- this is i think i mean obviously we'll have to see how it is when it comes out quality wise but like man this kudos to them for just turning this around really fast maybe That's they were working cool. on it before and just like I'm, assumed yeah sure, <laughs> i'm sure. sure they were but like yeah. it's just it's just cool to see a kickstarter for a game like this not be like three years down the line and then it never comes out mm-hmm. <laughs> well that's it for small news this week Let's talk about games out this week, including Lonely Mountains Downhill. Uh, Have any of you gotten a chance to play this? Yes. Tom, tell me about it. I really like this game. Uh, It's a downhill, kind of like a minimalist, blocky sort of art style downhill dirt biking game. But you play it from the third person where like the camera is always sort of like looking at the mountainside. So you're looking at it's kind of like you're watching this little blocky biker like go down a diorama of a hill. It's very, very cute. Um, and it's very, very zen because the way they break it up is I think there's four mountains, I think. And so the way they break it up is the first time you go down a mountain, and then each mountain has like different trails. And the first time you go down a trail, there's no time limit. There's no worry about deaths. There's no worry about anything. You just go and it's very pretty. And there are little lookout points where you can stop and get off your bike and just kind of like hang out. And it's like very zen. And then the next time you do it, there's bonuses for like dying a minimum or a maximum amount of number of times or 
taking a certain number of times. So then it gets a little harder and then they, they increase that. They make it a little quicker, a little fewer deaths. And like, so it starts a very, very Zen. And then it just like gets tra- as challenging as you want it, which is really, really nice. It's just like a, it, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this game. I'm planning, I'm planning to play it this week. So I'll report yeah, that next week in what we're playing. Um, also out this week is uh, a game called Void Bastards. Bastards. I was like, oh no, a curse word. But I mean, it's part of the game name, so I'm just Void Bastards. <laughs> <laughs> and it's out on the 7th um, for $30. Um, I've seen some of our friends at the office play this game, and it looked really interesting. But Tom, you described it as a roguelike FPS. Continue. Yeah, it, it's basically like FTL. I think a lot of people know FTL. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty much like FTL, but instead of doing like top-down strategy ship combat, every time you go to a new point, you're going to a first-person shooter and you like loot a ship full of space ghosts, pretty much. Usually space zombies and space ghosts. And it's got this great comic book art style. It's a really cool game. Yeah, I really liked what I saw about it. Um, what I saw about it. Gosh, I don't, I just like can't even talk anymore. You're the first people I talked to today, guys. Oh no! <laughs> it shows. First, first hour, I've just spoken word out loud today. Um, <laughs> also out this week is Super Mash out on the eighth for twenty dollars. And Tom, <laughs> um, oh Tom, Th- yeah, this one I haven't this, game. this one I haven't played, but this got revealed in the Nintendo Direct in December, and it's oh, wow. that game you might remember. Where I remember it, it now. Okay, yeah, you pick like two genres, and then it dynamically creates a game based on the two genres mixed, and like so you can get games that look like Legend of Zelda, but it's a bullet hell maybe or stuff like that, uh, yeah. and it's all like retro themed. I remember being excited for this so now i'm gonna have to check it out thank you for reminding me that this exists yeah i'm gonna get it me too all right well that's about it for games out this week let's talk about games that we are playing uh brian why don't you go first uh i've been playing two games a lot uh streets of rage 4 which is so awesome i love it so much and also uh moving out which i love just as much for completely different reasons um, I think they're two of my favorite co-op games in a long time, for sure. Perry, you're playing them too, right? Yeah, um, my daughter and I were playing both Moving Out and Streets of Rage yesterday. As uh, Actually, uh, my son joined Moving Out as well. Uh, Streets, of, Streets of Rage is just funny because, like, to me, that was one of the predominant genres when I, you know, played games in arcades, like in the Final Fight days, and, like, my kids have never played games like this, so it's really oh, yeah. fun. Yeah, it's like it's completely new to them. Like the fact, like the way that you pick up the weapons, and uh, also that you can punch each other, which that's usually what we do. Um, yeah, I'm. I, I love it. I think it's it's like this perfect blend between homage, but actually adding enough variety and combos and things to it to keep it interesting. It's really fun. And Me too. Then, um, I think it gets like surprisingly deep too. I, like the other day, I randomly um, hit. A button at the exact right time to like karate chop a bottle out of the air that somebody was throwing at me and i was like yeah. what you could do that and it was like it's changed everything for me now like i have a whole new approach to it um yeah it's super fun and and then, and then moving, moving, moving out, out is great it's just like it's basically overcooked right like you have to like it you have to work together to get stuff done and the enjoyment is comes out of you not doing it perfectly <laughs> yeah yeah i think what's like what's a little different about overcooked is it has this um weird 
it's the the physics are like completely insane which i love it's so much fun but it's got this strange mechanic where you basically have to in, like in overcooked you make plates of food and you serve them and either they're right or they're not great or they're totally wrong and you either you know anger customers or you satisfy them um and for this you you basically have to move a set amount of furniture pieces or items out of a house or a moving plane or all these random places and then bring them to a truck and the truck basically has a grid on it for where you can fit stuff and when i first started playing it i thought you could just basically throw a couch on it and it would just count and it doesn't you basically have to play like micro tetris in the back of this truck and so you'll you're you and your partner will get all of the stuff out to this truck and then realize that's not good enough and so like the last 45 seconds are frantic of you hopping in the truck jumping on top of each other and all over the place throwing lampshades throwing things out of the way and yeah. then just then the truck closes up and you're like got it done shipping it my, my favorite is like and and the last item you don't have to get it in perfectly it's just yeah. has to stay long enough so if you have like a fridge or something you're just pushing it in there the whole time until it's, the counter ends it's also um, super funny to just uh like you can break a window like a window in a guy's house and just throw his tv out of it to get to the truck it, instead of walking out the door it has weird references one house is based on ferris bueller's day off you can drive the car out of the out of the oh, second floor yeah, one is yeah. one is seinfeld one is the seinfeld apartment and like you can tell because the the mission starts and one of the character goes like what's the deal with blah 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 and like they they make little jokes that that match the uh the movie franchises it's based on um but uh, the fun is like when you carry something heavy together with another p person and it doesn't quite fit anywhere and you can like throw it out the window and one person pulls and the other uh, person pushes like the physics play of it is fun and then taking breakable items and tossing them to each other and the other person having to catch them that's yeah. where i feel like the, the game really comes alive yeah, yeah it's I so totally funny agree. it's so funny how much overcooked has just become a genre now yeah. right like it, it's there's moving out there's another game about like renovating houses that's basically yeah. overcooked but that it, it's really funny and i totally agree i think moving out is a lot of fun it's sort of easier than overcooked at the beginning right it's easy much easier to learn but then also it does have a deceptively high like challenge to it where i feel like when i was playing overcooked with friends the first few levels we were just like three starring every time i don't think i've gotten more than one gold medal on anything oh. in moving out on the first try like it is a really hard game to do well. Like, to, like it gives you a lot to work towards in terms in terms of like maximizing that stuff. Yep. Guys, I have... sorry, go ahead, Per. No, I was going to say, I know you guys probably talked about it when I was out for the last two weeks, but obviously Picross S4 came out. So I play that. I usually fall asleep with my Switch and then like I wake up and I have like three, hour, three hours of gameplay on a puzzle and only one thing filled out. But I... Um, <laughs> Two two really good um, Picross games came out. One is Pixel Cross Adventure. That's kind of like, it has an overworld that's a little bit like Earthbound and you walk around and you find the puzzles on the map and then oh, cool. you solve. Yeah, they're like, they're like these portals and you, you, beat, you beat them and it fills in the object. It's kind of like the silly storyline and it's really well done, good puzzles. And then Picross S4 is just the, the master, of course. You know, the puzzles are good. The interface is perfect. Uh, and it's got it's got some really big puzzles in there if you own the previous three ones. So the, that's really uh, cool. Oh, wait. So does it connect with the previous three? 
if you have a save file on the previous three and you can create them afterwards too, it will unlock a 40 by 30 puzzle, like the biggest possible puzzle for each one of the first S games you have. So oh, man, S- that's awesome. S, S2, S3. So you get these big bonus puzzles. Yeah, I have all I have all three of those and I'm definitely going to buy the fourth. I think one of the things that's really pushing me towards it is it's 10 bucks. Like, yeah. Oh, wow. It's so cheap. It's And I, I, I think I, I probably put like 20, 30 hours into the... The, each of the last ones you you pair you probably done like yeah. hundreds right it, too way too much but yeah s4 s4 they're so similar but s4 is the best one because it has it has the most modes and it has some of the bigger bigger puzzles but they're all so interchangeable so if you pick one up for cheaper uh it's you can start with any of the games i haven't played four yet but pair the most important question of all how's the music it's good it's not, uh, it's not, first of all, I turn the music off after like about an hour because yeah. it just repeats. You can switch it manually, but uh, it's not as good as uh, as the previous ones so far, but I also turn it off quickly. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> Parrot, I'm most interested in one of these games, Cooking Mama Cookstar. Yeah, so... So first of all, I play a, I'm playing a lot of good job. Don't sleep on that game. Great, great I game. Actually, play it. A second to talk about good job because I played it over the weekend and I played it in co-op. Yeah, and it is so much fun and really silly and really funny. But also, I get the same score on every single level, and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I get a, an overall B and then a DD, BDD, okay. every single thing. <laughs> am I not breaking enough stuff? What am yeah. I doing wrong? You're not you're not causing enough break, mayhem. I gotta break more things. How good are the forklift and like crane levels? I love the forklift. So, <laughs> so like, but even on those levels, like my my partner would work on actually solving the puzzle. Yeah. Or like the whatever you needed to do. And I would just run around in a forklift destroying as many things as I could, and we still got a D. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I guess I'm just I'm just not chaotic enough <laughs> to get you a gotta, better score. You gotta do game. better. But you asked about cooking mama. So I yes. ordered cooking mama as a physical cartridge because I was worried it was gonna disappear. Seems like it, it hasn't. Um but uh it, it's not as bad as I thought it would be, but it's very simple. You know, like at this point you would expect the Cooking Mama series to be a little bit more evolved, have maybe a story mode where things build on each other, but it's basically like, here you go, you know, a bunch of bunch of little waggle challenges, pick any from the list, list mm-hmm. and complete them. And it you know, some of them are very long and they outstay their welcome. So it's not a well balanced game, but it's also not terrible. Like the if you're into games where you use the Joy-Con to simulate the actions like cheese grating and all of that stuff, like moving around the Joy-Con, that's exactly what it is. It is just very, well, maybe very mechanical feeling. So, you know, like, do you remember the cooking uh, the cooking mini game in Mario Party, right? Like, yeah. it felt, that one feels more organic than the version that exists in Cooking Mama. Cooking Mama has the whole like spread the butter in the pan thing and you move the pan the same way, but it's just not nearly as good as this mini game in Mario Party. And this is a cooking based game. So you figure they would get this right. Yeah. It's it's okay. If you played any of the previous ones, it's it's similar. It just hasn't evolved and it's not like the 3D rumble and stuff. It's just not next level. Hmm. Well, Tom, do you have any games 10. you want to? Five out of 10? Mm hmm. Isn't that bad? It's mediocre. 
mediocre. Okay. It's not it's good. It's fun. It's it's fun for kids. I think you know, kids kids okay. get more fun out of it. But it's very. It just feels a little rote. Yeah, I think our reviewers' biggest complaint was that there there wasn't enough challenge or there were no consequences. There is. I mean, yeah. you can burn stuff, and she gets mad, and you get worse ratings. But it's like it's not terribly hard but- to. The thing, the thing that he he brought up in the review specifically, Travis Northup, our, our reviewer for that, was that no matter how bad you do a recipe, you always like complete it and can move on to the next one, and the the food at the end always looks identical to if you did it perfectly. It's always Instagrammable, right? Yeah, it, it, I I don't know if it's always the same. There's definitely nuances. You can mess something up, but it's like you can tell it's designed for kids. And so it's not it's not punishing for you messing up or not being perfect for sure. Tom, what about you? What games have you been playing? I've been playing Animal Crossing still, and then a lot of stuff on PS4. Basically, I went. I, I, this is not the show for it, but I in the last week beat Last of Us, Uncharted One, Uncharted Two, The Last of Us is DLC, and I'm halfway through Uncharted Three. So I'm on a Naughty Dog kick right now, which is All not right. exactly a Switch kick. <laughs> Uncharted Two is the best one. Also, <laughs> same are two and Lost Legacy. I really liked Lost Legacy too, but yeah. two has two has more cool set pieces. Like the train uh-huh. was so good. Oh god, yeah, and a tank chase. Well, Lost Legacy has that same train. It's back. Welcome to Uncharted voice chat. Yeah. Well, yep. This is. I'm also going to go off topic. This is also not the show for this, but the last <laughs> week and a half or so, I've been unable to play as many games because my, my hands and wrists have actually been hurting pretty bad. So I watched all 60 episodes of Fullmetal Alchemist Brotherhood, all of Somali in the Forest Spirit, half of Code Geass. Um, what else did I watch? All of Devs. What wow, else did I Devs watch? is great, isn't it? A bunch of Mr. Robot. Okay, watch. Um, uh, <laughs> I watched Money Heist. Did you watch Money Heist? No, I haven't watched that. Is that good? It's it's like Spanish Fast and the Furious without cars. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'll try it if you're recommending it to me. Netflix, that's great. The last thing I want to mention is that there's this new anime called Oda Cinnamon Nobunaga. And it's about Oda Nobunaga, the Japanese warlord, having been reincarnated as a Shiba Inu in modern Japan. And all of the other what? warlords have also been reincarnated as dogs, and they'll hang out at the park and reminisce about their days of warlords that together. That sounds amazing. It is hilarious. <laughs> you should amazing. all watch it. And oh, the okay. ending credits for the show have actual dogs in it. So they like got all the dogs to dress up like the – I don't know. It's very funny and very ridiculous. I was so bored, you guys. I don't know what people do when they don't have video games. I was just like, what do I do with my life? Like, uh. <laughs> cook. You can cook something. I, I did cooking. I did the exercises I could do, but like there's only, I made a cake. I mean, like, I don't know. Walk there's only so cat. many things you can do. I clean my backyard. Walk your cat. I, clean, I walk my cat. I did yeah. watch her climb a tree. That was very fun. Cool. But um, sorry for going down that rabbit hole. Um, yay, anime. Um, <laughs> but let's move on to our favorite game, Question Block. So this. Not a game. I know. I know. That's not a LaCroix. (laughs) (laughs) So, this question comes from Clark from Cleveland. He wrote into us at NBC at IGN.com, which you can write into us as well. And he told us a story about he recently had to replace his Majora's Mask 3DS with a refurbished 3DS because his screen cracked, unfortunately. But it got him thinking. 
This is from him. I was wondering what are your favorite console designs, special editions, or just overall? I'm a huge fan of the way the top-loading NES looks. It's a subtle, it's subtle on its own, but with the cartridge in for playing, it becomes a display stand showing off that game. Thanks for the amazing shows, and stay well. So what are your favorite console designs? Um, the, the thing that just jumped in my head, first and foremost, was the Nintendo Wii. Uh, I I think that that is like one of the most beautiful looking video game consoles, even though if it wasn't the most powerful, I really liked the stand it came with to make it sort of seem angled. Where's Pear going? He's getting something. I already got something. Well, this is the Majora's Mask 3DS that Clark was talking about. I, I love this. I had the hardest time choosing which one to get because it was between this one and a Monster Hunter one. That's a good Here, what one. What did you bring over? He he can't hear you yet. Oh no! It was a very shiny cube. It looked like. Yeah, no, I had it. Uh, I had it on oh, show that's and right. tell. Yeah, you did. On... That's the GameCube special edition from Panasonic and <laughs> Nintendo. Wow! And um, for those of you who are just listening, that is a mirror finish. You guys just have mm-hmm. to come over to the video version if you're listening to this. I also brought over a GameCube. I love the design of the GameCube. I think it's just so sleek, and it has a handle, so when it breaks, you can turn it into a lunchbox. It's good. <laughs> the, Q, the Q has two handles. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. I'll cycle through uh, three of my favorites very quickly because I'm a huge Nintendo handheld guy. Uh, one, the original Game Boy. Just big, beige iconic. brick with the green screen. Yeah, iconic. It's got this weird... The ridges on the back. Um, I love this system. It's it's chunky and adorable. Uh, to the uh, NES GBA SP is one of my favorites. This is basically launched with the classic NES series. Um, yeah, it's it's got sort of like a, a metal sheen to it. And three, the uh, Famicom Game Boy Micro. Oh which God! Is yeah, the Golden. Game Boy Micro in general. Right, the Game Tom, Boy. I, yeah, I have, ten seconds. I, I, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say the GameCube too. I love that thing. And I love that you can get attachments for it. So you could like put the make put the GBA thing on the bottom and the screen on the top and like it's trick out your GameCube. The the Earthbound or Mother 3 Game Boy Micro is the most oh, beautiful device so ever awesome. made. I have one somewhere. Can't get it right now. But I that imagine one, that's super rare, right? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think all of the Game Boy Micro Game Boy Micros are are pretty pricey now and hard to get. And then Guys, the Switch is gorgeous. Yeah. I think the yeah. Switch design is just so nice. I really like the way it feels, too, the, the, the plastic. Same with the Switch Lite. I think it's a mm-hmm. really cool design. I mean, the Switch Lite, I think, is a better design than the Switch, right? Like, it is... It. The, I said this in my review of the Switch Lite. I love my Switch, and I love the design of the Switch, but you look at the Switch Lite, and you're like, oh, this is like a... This is years and years and years of Nintendo knowing how to design a handheld system just like funneled perfectly into this device that I already love. Whereas the Switch, once you look at the Switch Lite, you look at the Switch and you go like, oh yeah, they had to make some compromises in order to get it to Switch. And when you don't have to make those compromises, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And and I think it's still a, a gorgeous little system, but yeah, you, Switch Lite is great. Yeah, you have to pick one up and, and then pick up a Wii U tablet. <laughs> like the way the Wii U tablet feels just um material wise, it's it's like a from another galaxy. Like the the switch the switch just is so nice and like it feels more more weighty and mm-hmm. high quality, you know? Yeah, it's weird going back to the pick up the Wii 
U gamepad, like you said, it just it feels more like so much more like a toy than the Switch does. Totally. Honestly, one of my favorite designs they've ever done too is just the original 3DS. Like the original 3DS, I thought was inherited kind of the nice sleek size that sort of rectangle brick from like the DS Lite, except it just improved it in certain ways, and that was. You know, I, I loved carrying that thing anywhere I went. That that was a great, great design it's handheld. Very portable. Could actually fit in some of my pockets, which I can't then, say for most other things. And then special editions, I do really like the uh, the Metroid 3DS XL as well. The really boring yeah. looking one. It's very pretty. Uh, the Zelda one uh, with the Triforce. The, uh, I love that uh, one. Yeah. There, there's some pretty systems there. And then there's some really hideous ones like the Pikachu N64. Oh, God, yeah. Tom, you mentioned the white or the, the DS Lite. The white launch DS Lite is one of my favorite. That's one of the most beautiful handhelds ever made. I think it was like one of the first times Nintendo was really like, okay, we're going to make we're, we're going to make a consumer level product that's like almost straight up Apple. And it doesn't feel at all like a kid's toy, even though it totally still was, which I love it for. So, yeah, there are a lot of Nintendo systems that we like and appreciate. But this next question is from Sean Kersey, and he says, you can play Streets of Rage 4 using the SNES controller and Switch. What other Switch games do you think are perfect with the SNES controller? Anything with, I mean, any game with digital digital grit-based stuff or kind of classic feel to it. Like, I would would count games like Picross in there. I actually have... I don't like I don't like puzzle games being controlled with sticks usually, and I'm mm-hmm. always bummed when there are games that don't have a D-pad uh, or button option. So I think all of those would be great for sure. I'll be the broken record that I am and say that probably Celeste and Hollow Knight are both great yeah. with a Super Nintendo controller because they're both simple button games, 2D. Yeah, yeah basically any, like any side-scroller. Anything that doesn't require analog movement, for sure. Like Streets of Rage is just perfect for it. Yeah. yeah. This next question is from James Gold, and he says, do you think it's likely a Mario collection could still come out this year, given the rumor Nintendo has delayed its E3 Direct and is having difficulties working from home? Yes. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it, it kind of depends on when they were planning on it coming out, right? Like, mm-hmm. if they were planning for it to be December 25th as the release date, then maybe, no, we won't see it. But I don't think that they were planning for it to be that late. So yeah, I think it's totally likely we'll still see it this year. I, I think ports, collections, all of that aren't as difficult as games that are new designs and require a lot of back and forth, code transfers, feedback loops, all of that stuff. You know, for them to port, you know, a classic Mario game and get sign up from Nintendo is probably a lot easier than Nintendo working on a brand new game and getting all the feedback and everything aligned. So yeah, I, yeah. If anything I mean, is going to be on time, it's it's those collections and things. I don't know if you guys saw, but I believe it was just this week. Um, a like huge fan of Mario sixty four uh, basically reverse engineered the game's code to run natively on PC, and it looks stunning. Like mm-hmm. it's unbelievably good looking. Um, and so I'm hoping that's something they're able to do. It seems like he was able to do that by himself from home, so maybe they can do that. I will <laughs> say the Mario collection thing is a little weird because. Um, I want that more than anything, but there are a bunch of NES and Super NES Mario games across the online apps right now, and so they're sort of splintered. Uh, I don't know if 
no, I'll, I'll answer this question. Yes, I would definitely buy them all over again. <laughs> I'm stupid, but uh, I will say that that sort of deflates my excitement a little bit for having all the Mario's on one card or one box. But we'll see. Um, this next question is from Paulo Navarro, and he says, "What are you realistically, realistically anticipating Nintendo's big holiday game to be this year?" Oh my God, Mario, it's a tough one. Mario Collection. Yeah. yeah, something Mario, if not the collection, like yeah, that uh, is the safest bet. Yeah, I think we all agreed that Metroid was no way, and possibly Zelda, but with this whole. With this whole development situation now, I don't think a lot of us had any major faith in Zelda making it. Yeah, I, I was pretty, I was pretty confident saying that there was a total, total possible, like it's a total possibility that Zelda was this year, um, and I still think that there is a possibility. Zelda. There is a possibility for sure. Um, it's just yeah, with COVID, it definitely weakens that possibility a little bit. And then also, I don't think it was ever a surefire thing. So yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a since there's no date on it, I, I imagine they'll play that one safe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I'd I'd imagine their big holiday thing is a bunch of Mario. <laughs> yeah, I think it's 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 Pokemon. Um, I think we'll get a new we'll get a brand new Pokemon. I, I I'm with you guys oh. where I don't I don't really think that we're gonna get another. Uh, I don't think we'll get the Breath of the Wild sequel this year. I don't think we'll get Metroid this year. Um, I think they'll ride off of Animal Crossing for a while. I think they'll probably put out some sort of like complete edition of Smash Brothers <laughs> when that's yeah, all I mean, said and done. Oh, with all the DLC. Yeah, there were. Remember, remember some of the rumors, right? Like the uh, retro obviously hasn't made a new, um, you know, a new Donkey Kong series game in a while. There were rumors around a Star Fox title for them. We haven't seen anything from retro in so long. This might be maybe this might be the big holiday title that we get from them, or they basically jumped right into Metroid and whatever progress they made is on hold over there. Who knows, right? Right. Yeah, yeah we don't know if it was like all hands on deck over there or yeah. not. But there's all <laughs> Pikmin still coming. This might be slightly less realistic, but based on timing of previous Mario games, I assume that they would announce another Mario, a new, another new Mario game during E3 this year which might have been a holiday release. Like a Galaxy because, 3. Uh, yeah, because we, well, we haven't, Odyssey came out, what, three years ago? Three years is ago in October? Long? No, is it really? Yeah, I think, I think, I think so. Yeah, that was launch year for the Nintendo Switch. That 2017? Came out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, so three years wow. ago, this holiday season, and we usually get a new Mario game every three or four years. Yeah. Yeah, but Zelda no. realize similar boat, right? Zelda will have been mm-hmm. three and a half years by holiday season. So, yeah, I mean, maybe both. Maybe that was their Nintendo competing with the new consoles, a new yeah. Mario and a new Zelda, right? Yeah, we, <laughs> that would be a heck of a way to compete. Um, yeah. Brian, I'm curious. You said Pokemon, but like, what what would you expect from a new Pokemon? Because they've got the expansion pass already coming, right? Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't think of I, I wouldn't expect something like a like an ultra sun, ultra moon type of thing for a past game. I don't, I don't know what they would do in terms of new Pokemon. It might be another in the Let's Go series. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it just seems really weird. I like personally, it would just seem really weird to me for them to release a new Pokemon like two pack or something like that, or two new Pokemon games, or or even really one main two pack Pokemon game. You know what I mean? A rapper. <laughs> <laughs> 
but like it would be weird to do that when they have <laughs> DLC coming out this summer and then DLC coming out again in in the winter and like maybe we're leaning into a new cadence of Pokemon releases is mm-hmm. I think I'd, I would probably pick up uh, Pokemon Biggie over Pokemon Tupac personally. <laughs> um, but I would like that, especially if they're, you know, blood, <laughs> bloods and crips colors. Uh, Red and blue. I mean, that's yeah, the original one. Just exactly. with that. Um, yeah. When was the last time they took a year off of releasing a new Pokemon game? I mean, yeah, it's true. Right? I so I feel like they'll do something. A version? X and Y and Omega Ruby and Sapphire? Maybe they I don't been... remember the years that those came yeah. out. Maybe they've been busy making every Pokemon and releasing a new version that has them all. Yeah. Oh, Casey. <laughs> um, yeah, they don't I don't know. I don't know what Pokemon's doing. They, they don't take years off, but also they don't ever really do DLC. So we'll have, mm-hmm. we'll have to see if they're just, like, changing the winds with that one. Yeah, I'd say that these DLC ad- expansions, like, are the, the Pokemon release. But yeah. it, we, it could be another Let's Go year. I mean, that's how that's what I assumed they would be doing. I assumed they'd be doing Let's Go, um, new original Let's Go, like going on and off every other year. But yeah, that's, that's pretty ambitious. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a good note. Um, yeah, we'll see. I'm I'm curious, you know. And again, I dropped Pikmin, like the the kind of remake of uh, you know Pikmin three coming back with some expanded content is not strong enough to stand on its own, I think, as a holiday title, but maybe this is going to be an off year for them. Um, with two new competing consoles coming out, you'd you'd hope it wouldn't be, right? You'd hope they bring their A game. We'll see. Uh, do you guys have time for one more question? Sure, yeah. let's do it. We almost got through all of our question block questions this year. This week, let's do this it. Year. This from is from David Barber, and he asked, "Do you feel Animal Crossing needs more accessibility options? Fishing is a pain with a visual impairment, not to mention jet black scorpions during dark nights. Then there's mole crickets and shooting stars, which must be which must be a real pain if you're deaf." I didn't even think about all of these problems. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a good point. And it, now that he's bringing up these points, like yes, it would be nice for you to be able to turn on and assist. Yeah. For these things because yeah. yeah if you don't hear the shooting star like how do you know yeah that's a it's a good point i mean they could do stuff with rumble around it or some sort of visual mm-hmm. clue for sure i you know like the, it, it's something that we don't think about um playing these games and then you hear somebody with a disability bring it up you're like oh yeah um I, I mean, I feel like the co- the color modes and and brightness adjustment modes are pretty easy ads for any developer at this point to help people play those games. Um, yeah, the bigger the bigger answer to this question is genuine. Probably just yeah, almost yeah. every game needs more accessibility options. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was about to say the same exact thing. Yeah, it, it would be amazing if there were some system level things that would apply to every game, right? Like if the if the if the system maker said here is an accessibility feature that you must have in the game. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, there's a brightness adjustment that will always work. And it's different from just bringing up brightness. It's like contrast and stuff. Or, you know, any audio signal tricks to triggers a rumble or something. I don't know. Or like I think that'd be great. Um, even there are some games that do accommodate this, but um, with a colorblindness. I actually have yeah. a friend who um, he can't, see the difference i don't remember which one it is but if you ask him if something's blue or purple he's not gonna be able to tell you yep. um 
and there are a lot of games that you kind of need to know what colors are where in order to know like what kind of target they are, etc. And some games are are adding accessibility things like that. So yep. I think you know Nintendo obviously took a nice step with the last system update, so they they are aware, and I think that's a just I think that's a positive sign of the things to come. Mm-hmm. And it's nice that we're seeing more of it. Mm-hmm. So hey guys, that's about it for NVC this week. Thank you all for joining me during this discussion for Nintendo this week. I appreciate it. Um, remember, NVC comes out every Thursday at 3 p.m. on your favorite podcasting platform. If you're listening, you probably already know that, but you can write into us at NBC at IGN.com or go and check out our Facebook group, the NBC uh, forums. And remember, NVC is the only place you can. Get the thing. Get the thing. That was funny. <laughs> hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.